0: Okay, guys, I love all the Bachelor people that are coming on. I've got Jacqueline Trumbull here with me from uh, Re season of The Bachelor. And then briefly on BIP5, hey, how you doing? Hello, I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm so good. And I I got lucky. I met you with uh, some of my favorite people. When was yep. that? A couple with Charlene, who is, you know, one of my favorites. Maybe Ashley Spivey was there too. Cat Herd was there. Heard, yet. yeah, yeah, so, so great. Anyway, happy to to have met you because I think you're awesome, and I can't wait to talk to you. Let's do before the show. Okay, you were someone before reality TV. Everyone had a story before we did something this crazy. So, where were you living? What were you up to? Relationships? I want to know all of it.
1: I was living in New York City, so I'm. And remain jealous that you get to be there now. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) The move was rough. Um, Yeah, and I had just started working in um, a psychiatry lab, basically, which is just like a feeder job into grad programs. Mm -hmm. Relationships, I was like a serial casual dater. Okay. So I dated a lot, and I loved dating. And I remember I went on a first date the day I did my, like, bachelor audition like my the first in-person one and then I met some guy like two weeks before the show so <laughs> you know.
0: I didn't real so okay so we could have almost not seen you had those dates went okay uh yeah I guess that's possible I wish I had that attitude about New York dating like having fun with it <laughs> oh my gosh how did you feel that way I don't understand
1: oh I always loved dating like ever since ever since right after high school um and New York had so many, I don't, it's, I kind of treated like I was trying to find like the best man. And I was a little bit, I was a little bit of a resume seeker. Oh,
0: cool. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not the best approach to dating,
0: but you know, I don't like, think anyone knows what the best approach is anymore. So that's it true. Is what it is. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was in my early twenties, so it was, I, you know, I didn't, there wasn't as much as like a time crunch and I was willing to date people that I knew I wouldn't end up with, which I'm no longer, I mean, now I'm in a, you know, I'm, I'm basically engaged, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it would be, if I were single now, it would be much different. And I'm not, I'm not sure how much I would love New York dating
0: stuff out there. I wish I could tell my recent story on my podcast, but I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going <laughs> to save him. I'm going to, my ego is not that bruised. Okay. So then you were, I believe, a fan of the show, though, right? Like, you had watched it before?
1: Yep. Yeah, for, like, five years before. My first uh, season was Charlene's.
0: Oh, wonderful. Well,
1: She's yeah. so cool.
0: So then, okay, then you had watched, if it was Juan Pablo, then you had watched Ari, right?
1: Yes. Although, I think that season was earlier. I think I, I it was before went Juan back Pablo. and, like, streamed. Yeah. Some of them. But I did see Ari, yeah.
0: So you had been a fan, you had seen Ari, but I remember Ari was like a really last minute announcement. So I guess what was, how did you get you know, nominated or cast or whatever? What was that process like for you?
1: It was, it was shockingly easy. Like okay. I had no intention of going on the show. My best friend nominated me for it. I mean, I guess seriously, but it's just one of those jokey things. Like he knew I was the fan, the, Um, he nominated me because I like had a crush on Nick Vile, which now I don't, (laughs) (laughs) don't understand. Um, but Nick was announced as bachelor. And so my friend Max nominated me for that season, but it was too late. So they, I see, they, they called me like months later and sorry season. Interesting.
0: So, but at that point, I remember everyone was thinking it was going to be, Peter, Peter. And I think, didn't you actually like make a joke about that in your, your entrance or whatever? Like, Oh, I am looking yeah. for Peter.
1: They, yeah. Elon lawn Gail told me to write down my 10 worst ideas. And my first one was to walk out of the limo and say, where's Peter. So
0: that's what, quite- <laughs> and he said, perfect run with that. It was <laughs> yeah. risky, but I was here for it. It was, it was a good move. <laughs> I mean, I just can't see you. Like, would, would you have been excited if it was Peter?
1: I, yeah, I was more excited that it was Ari. I mean, okay. Peter's pretty undeniably attractive. So yeah. I, it was hard to poo-poo that option. But ultimately, it's like personal trainer in Wisconsin or wherever he is versus like cool race car
0: driver who's Dutch. And, um, I do love a Dutchman. I, I did, <laughs> I did a, a Dutchman recently, and it was amazing. So fun. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> They're good ones. <laughs> Were you signed on like you got the green light though before you guys found out it was Ari? Yeah. Your first impression, I guess, of Ari and of the first night, because obviously the first night is such a shit show. Yeah. So, what's going through your mind that first night?
1: I really hated the first night. I really, I loved filming the rest of the show, but I really hated the first night, partially because it went till 8 a.m. and was super tiring. Uh-huh. But, I remember everything looked really fake and tacky the first night. And then I didn't necessarily feel that way. I never really liked the mansion. It's kind of... The mansion sucks.
0: It's kind of like the a The decor mid-mansion. is, like, so yeah. terrible. Yeah. The kitchen is great. But other than that, it's like... I feel like the it's, like, purple furniture. It's It's not. I don't really remember, like, the color scheme. But it's... It ain't that nice.
1: Yeah, it's also one of those places that it's, like... It's like fake distressed. Like right. it's trying to look old and grecian or whatever.
0: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. That's so true. There's your secret everybody. It ain't that nice. And there's only two full bathrooms in it. Right. So and what, how many women? 29 women trying to get ready in two full bathrooms. So that that's another joke yep. of a situation. <laughs> the first night, you did get time with him, I think. Uh-huh so yeah, yeah um, how did that go
1: i was like relatively privileged for the f- first night because i had like a protected 10 minutes with him versus nice. other women were getting 30 seconds yeah so and i don't know i mean I, I guess i was proactive with the producers and just being like line me up i want to beat him i want to get in there now um but yeah my first impression of him was positive he had like a, I found him also more accessible than Peter would have been because he was on the show so long ago. Right. And so, you know, he hadn't, on the one hand, he'd been living that celebrity life a little bit longer, but on the other hand, the star fades after a while. And so,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fast. <laughs> They're like, oh, come back, come yeah. back. Um, okay. Well, another thing that I remember, I, I guess, for, were you in were you intimidated or not intimidated but the first night was there any woman that you you were just like uh-oh or not uh-oh but just like wow
1: i was intimidated by the whole prospect of meeting a bunch of beautiful women in a house and having to live with them for a long time because i i was always more comfortable with men than women which is probably just a relic of high school going poorly so you know, like walking downstairs and it was a bunch of women in ball gowns was like already pretty intimidating. And I remember, I mean, it's so funny because like, you know, my best friend from my season now is Jenna and she was like the quintessential kind of Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. Blonde hair and the cheerful personality. Still true.
0: Still true. (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah, so I, I just remember being like, Oh my god, how am I gonna get through this? But everybody like there was such a tacky sheen to everything. And I think it was lighting or something or the fact that like other people had done her hair and makeup. It just it it nobody looked normal to me. Yeah. And then the next day I remember being like, Oh my god, everyone is so beautiful. Right. Like yeah cuz everyone looked more natural and
0: that's true actually it was funny because i was i was podcasting with someone from my season uh, a few weeks ago and she was like because i remember like when i watched i did watch the first episode and when i got out of the limo i was almost like who is that like i've never looked like that before like you know <laughs> airbrushed and looking phenomenal and of course you got the big lights on you and the sheen of the water on the pavement right but Uh she was saying like you know the second day when when everyone has taken it all off and they're wearing their clothes she was like I was still just so intimidated by you like naturally but it was just so crazy to see everybody out of that that shine and just who they normally look like when they wake up in the morning kind of thing so yeah. So yeah, it it did seem all like such a production, the first night, and then like once it's up to you, it's like, uh, do I want to? put I think I did the whole makeup thing maybe once or twice, and then I just kind of gave up, which was bad, <laughs> really bad. I don't know if you kept up with it. I how well how well you did there, but
1: for I think for ITMs, I didn't wear too much makeup. Right. Yeah.
0: Did you hit it off with anyone like from the start, like? friendship wise
1: oh yeah kendall and i were super close okay like super close like i've rarely had such close like female I don't that's a lie but it was just like one I've it's it's been a long time since i've been inseparable from another woman okay and we we were inseparable yeah um bibiana was the first person that i remember liking on night one um I think mostly because she thought my Peter line was so funny because she's a little <laughs> bit savage, you know? Like. Yes.
0: yes, she absolutely is. I love yeah. that too. So great. But here's what's funny, and I've never asked anyone this, is you were one of the people that, you know, didn't have a date right away. So so what's that like, right? Like you get through the first night, woohoo, and then you're stuck in the house and it feels like everybody's on a date at that point because there's still so many people there. So you're like, why am I the one person that didn't get picked for one of these? Like, what's that like?
1: Yeah, looking back, my reaction was kind of stupid um, because I, <laughs> I, I definitely felt rejected. And I had I think I went into this show being like, I am not the kind of girl who goes on The Bachelor. I was never I was never popular. You know, I'm not. Super dressed up most of the time. I, other like people have found me, you know, weird or I just I don't know. I was just like shocked that I was there in the first place. So when I didn't get a date, there was part of me that was like, oh well, of course, like I'll be yeah. packing my bag soon. You know, there's there's no th- this this makes a sad kind of sense. But what probably happened was that the first date was. um a driving date. Uh huh. And race car. Yeah, like a race car again. thing. And I can't drive. So that might have played in. But also, the other person with me that didn't have a date was Lauren Lyandike.
0: <laughs> oh. Yeah. Maybe those were the people he felt most connected to on night. I mean, Line. it could have been. You you could really you could really just go on a tangent thinking of all the reasons why things happened the way that they did. I do that all the time. Still, it's really bad.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Okay, well, you, in many ways you would think if you said I can't drive, that they would put you on a driving date.
1: Yeah, I think I think the problem was they didn't think I had a driver's license. I actually do have a driver's license. I just haven't used it in 10 years. But I'm not sure they were able to put me on that date.
0: Like, okay, they did have to draw a line there.
1: I think so, but I could be wrong.
0: <laughs> okay, so so that moment happens. I'm sure you might have felt like a little bit behind right away. Just yeah. because you didn't get that, that first time with him. So I guess at, at what point did you start feeling like not even just like Ari is someone I'm physically attracted to, but like Ari is my quote unquote, like I'm dating Ari. <laughs> At what point did he become like your boyfriend? Although he probably, <sighs> probably did.
1: Yeah, he probably never did only because I, I mean, I really liked him. Like yeah. I, I was very, very sad to leave. I did not want to leave. Yeah. But the only, t- I really, I think one of the reasons some of my airtime got cut was when they would ask me, and there's a lot of reasons, but one of them is that when they would ask me, how do you feel about Ari, you know, I'd be like, I, like, look, like, I like it, the guy, but he's not given me any validation. I mean, we had our one-on-one time was always great. Yeah. But they would, and I don't know how much of this was Ari and how much of this was Production, but he would have like little surprises for some of the women, you know, or special time with some of the women. And I was never one of those women. Mm. And I got a one on one date really late. So I would have probably considered us dating by the time that we had our our one on one date. But when that arrived, I was already thinking of leaving. And so there was never really a time where I was just securely like, Ari's my boyfriend.
0: (laughs) We're dating. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> this is so great. Uh, Cuz yeah, I mean your your date, we'll talk about your date, but that that was later on. You had gone through the wrestling date. Um yeah. and then what was next? Bowling.
1: Yeah, bowling was a, there was a hiking date too.
0: Hi- hiking, right. So so let let's talk about the wrestling date because I'm so I'm so curious anytime I watch these shows and they put these girls on the dates where they like pillow fighting or wrestling or that is like my nightmare that's the last (laughs) thing i would want to do is like wrestle like why can't we all just hang out were you afraid i would literally be afraid
1: oh yeah i was terrified I i wound up probably being my favorite date no but and that's just because i think if everybody lived by the mantra, like do something that makes you nervous at least once a week, we would feel a lot more alive. Yeah, because that whole like is that whole hormonal system that gets you geared up and like ready to do something scary, and that, all that adrenaline and endorphins or whatever, and then this all released, like that's such a great feeling. And so that's what that date was like. I mean, I went in. I I just had to have a, a I had to have some humor about it because I'm so unathletic, and I knew an <laughs> athletic date was coming. Um, and this was I wound up being kind of more Pleased with this because it was fake wrestling But that being said I was paired up with Crystal So I still got the shit beat out of me Because she you know choreographed it And it was just fun But then I think she Got into it a little bit And then <laughs> I did too But like when we actually went out into the ring I was like getting tossed around Every, like every
0: hit was, seemed a little bit harder kind of thing Even though it was just play <laughs> yeah yeah and there, there was
1: like a section of our choreography where i started beating her and they just cut that out of the episode because it was funnier to get to watch for you just her to her.
0: get absolutely annihilated <laughs> yeah
1: Ugh. i mean that was more realistic anyway honestly because if it was a real fight
0: <laughs> well that's funny that okay so you were with crystal i don't know mm. if crystal was necessarily like big time villain at that point. I mean, she's maybe like turning people off kind of thing, but she wasn't really solidified as the villain yet. That came at obviously the bowling time, which got a little wild. Um, (laughs) but what's funny is like it, it to me, to the viewer, it seemed like you stayed out of the drama a lot. And I wonder if, if that's just like your, your personality, your nature. Um, because I I know you've obviously talked a lot about this like your career outside of the show is and was at that time very important to you so w- was it maybe just like subconsciously like I don't want to get involved in this because I don't want whatever could happen to affect what happens on my outside world
1: yeah that was a huge part of it um, and and another reason why you know you don't see me a whole lot on the show because I wasn't a very good narrator like I wasn't willing to call out other women I wasn't willing to like Criticize other people or be snarky, um, and so yeah, I was just not going to allow myself to be portrayed as somebody who had beef with other women and and was a person who caused conflict. Like I, I just couldn't let that happen. So that was a big part of it. I also just couldn't get really worked up about, enough about it to to do that anyway. Like Crystal, I I like I liked Crystal okay enough. I yeah. mean. By the time, by the time Florida happened, I still didn't, I still don't have that big of a, I found Crystal kind of abrasive. Like that was the extent of what I thought about Crystal, Okay. but she was not, she didn't do anything egregious. And like even the bowling date, it was so stupid because basically Ari was supposed to give us special time. He wound up giving both teams special time. Right.
0: The winning team and the losing team both got time. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then Crystal just like exploded in the car. And I think one of the benefits of me having watched the show for so many years is I'm like, I don't like, why would you blame Ari for this? It could have been Ari's choice. It could have been production choice. That's something we'll never know. So just go with the flow a little true.
0: bit. True. Freaking true.
1: So she like, she lost it. And then she tried to stay home from the cocktail party in a rope. And people were very upset about this. I'm like, why won't you just let her shoot herself in the foot? Like, why, do you, why does anybody have to get involved in this? so I and part of my job literally is like I can't make I have to be very careful about making automatic assumptions about people especially when they're negative and I wasn't a therapist yet but that was still like my intention and so I've been in practice of like there are some people that I'll have automatic you know oh, I don't really like them or they're annoying but that doesn't I won't extend that to. I'm gonna talk shit about them all the t- all the time. Yeah, straight or, up judge you, yeah, Interesting.
0: Right. of it. Interesting. Well, I do have to wonder. I do want to go back to, like, career. Right. So if yeah. you had watched the show, it seemed just so risky if to to go on something like that. Like even if you were completely in control of your responses and how you handle things, like, oh yeah, damn. I mean, even in moments where I was in my mind, totally like level-headed and stayed out of things. I still some, you know, like, was there any part of you that was like, I don't have enough control over all of this.
1: Yeah. There was a huge part. I mean, I wrote a speech about this actually at one point um, because it was like, because I was, I was asked to write a speech um, about the word attraction And instead of writing, they wanted me to talk about The Bachelor instead of talking about Ari and my attraction to him, it was more like the attraction to fame. There was just something, and my personality, I think, is especially prone to this, like wanting shiny things. There was something too, like, cosmically alluring about this opportunity. It's like, I'm somebody who, um, I needed, like, a lot of experience. I had kind of Like, not really. I I saw myself as having a sheltered childhood. And so I wanted to like, try everything. That's why I dated so many people. Um, I dated like as many people as I could. I put myself in somewhat risky situations. I traveled everywhere. And the experience to see what fame is like, was just like, it was just too big. Um, It's something everybody Not everyone, but it's something so many people dream about when they're little, you know, and this is just like a little tincture of fame. Like this wasn't like the whole
0: anyone, whether you say you go on for the right reasons or not, there is the knowledge that there is a bit of fame to all of this. There's no one. Maybe people won't admit it, but like it's it's there. You know, it's possible. It could Mm -hmm. happen. And that's alluring. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was the adventure of a lifetime. Of course. And, and I, I mean, I've called it this so many times, but it's like it's like psychological skydiving. You know, like, who do you trust? Do you let yourself fall in love or do you resist falling in love? What is going to happen at the end of this? How, you're pu- Like, you're putting yourself completely in other people's hands who don't have the best intentions.
0: Which you don't really know at the time. Yeah. And even during it, you don't quite know it. But yeah, that's just so interesting that... Because I was someone that had a career that I loved beforehand and didn't think about it enough probably in terms of like when I was there, I got wrapped up. I got sidetracked. I didn't have control in many ways over like how I went into it. I was just like, woo, fun, party. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's interesting because it, you, you had so much knowledge of, of your own body, but also there's just so much out of your control Oh yes.
1: I mean, I, I carefully, like I asked people before I left too, is this going to hurt my career? And it kind of seemed like conservative people. And right. I mean, conservative as in co- more cautious yes. that they were like, yes, it could hurt. But then other people were other, more outgoing people were like, no, it can only help. Like it's interesting. People think it's funny. And I think that's what it came down to getting into grad school. It's just, whoever was the person who interviewed me, were they true delighted by it or were they judging it? And I got lucky.
0: So you get, you do have your one-on-one date that's later on probably mm-hmm. too late in terms of trying to ha- have hope that this could be the right thing. And you had, you said that you were already before that kind of thinking like, am I supposed to, to be here? Should I, should I go home? Right. I think you said that.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, complicated i mean lauren lauren actually had her date the day before mine Mm -hmm. so it wasn't technically too late to make a connection but the reason it was a bit too late for me was because my boss at my research coordinator job wanted me back and yeah and i and i knew that before going in I I basically cut a deal with him that I would come back after a month and producers knew this. But the deal I also made with myself was if I fall in love with Ari, I'll stay.
0: I see. And at that point.
1: I mean, it was like I if the one on one date, I mean, it did bring us a lot closer and it did make me develop strong feelings. But I was a serial dater. And so my approach to dating was usually like, okay, I'll go out with somebody a couple of times and I'll basically know if they're a yes or a no, probably after the first date for the first couple. I would
0: think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so I met, you know, we went out, I went out with Ari and I was like, I have really strong feelings for you, but I don't know how much of that is explained by the show itself and loving this experience And I can already see that we wouldn't work out. And so I'm not, like, I can't risk my career for something that I know won't work out long-term.
0: So that night, he did offer you a rose and you did take it, but at least in the ITMs, it seemed like you were very, very emotional about accepting that. I never, no, I take all that with a grain of salt. You never know what's going on in the background. Um, And then it was the following week in italy right Right. where you you end up sending yourself home yeah okay what led you to that where you were like okay actually no i'm i'm gonna take myself out of this
1: okay so the my date was edited to tell a different a different story than it did and i don't really mind that because i liked the story they told but what was really going on was ari and i were having an awesome time on our date and i was swept up and I did really like him and I was developing feelings. That being said, I basically knew he was not the right person. And so when the producer took me to interview, they were basically pressuring me to turn down the rose. And so that's why I was crying because I I go to the interview like blissful and happy and great. And I think there's one part where I'm like, it's going really well. And I like cover my face and then a split second later I'm tearing up and crying. And they make it look like I'm afraid he won't give me a rose, but I was pretty, I was pretty confident he was gonna give me a rose. Like we were like the chemistry was awesome. We were vibing
0: that that day. Yeah, we were
1: vibing. Yeah. And so when the thought of going downstairs and rejecting a rose, and like A, embarrassing Ari, B almost tricking him, because I had just been we, we you know, I had just been smiling, kissing and, and kissing. laughing.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um like the, the idea of going down and ruining that was just really horrible. And, you know, there's a part of me that was like, what if though, you know, okay, like maybe I think he's not technically the right person, but do I need to make that decision in this instant? Or can I take a couple days and reflect on it? And, and that's what I did. Cause I, I really did not want to go home. I had like wanted more time with him on the show. Um, but yeah. I, my boss then called production.
0: I see. Okay.
1: And I was like, oh, shit. And then I basically just had to choose.
0: And at that point you were like, yeah, boss, sorry. I'm not sure he's my husband yet. Actually. I'm kind of <laughs> sure he's not my husband. So I guess it's time.
1: I guess it's time. I came back from that date and production told me that my boss had called like two days prior and they were just saving it until after this. So I was, I was an absolute emotional wreck that day. I just had this great date and now I was like, I have to figure out how to break up with this person.
0: You've said, I listened to some stuff you were on just to, to have it all right. You've said that the breakup was a lot more dramatic than what was presented. Mm. So like, what did what did we miss?
1: It was very, well, it was fairly long. Um, there were just, I don't know. I always feel like kind of a douchebag when I talk about this because it, it's sort of self-aggrandizing. I mean, He, it was a breakup where I didn't want to be breaking up with him and I didn't want to be leaving. And so it was very intimate. And, you know, he just said a lot of things that indicated that he was very sad and hurt and did not want me to go. Like, please don't leave. And what if I get, what if we had another date? Would that change your mind? And, um, you know, he said, if you change your mind, please come back to me at the end. Like that was aired. But it looked, they, they made the breakup look as though I knew I wasn't going to progress. And so I just wanted to get ahead of it and save my pride, which was not what happened. It would have been much easier if he had sent me home. <laughs> I just didn't know what to do. Like if I, if I waited for that.
0: Well, cause you can't, I mean, you can't say on camera, like I got to make a choice kind of thing, right? Like
1: between work and yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the other thing is they wouldn't let me tell him that oh. about the job.
0: I see. So he didn't even know about that pull at your heart.
1: No. And that, that made it really rough because it was really hard to look him in the eye and say, I just know you're not the one, or I know this isn't it. When I didn't fully know that. I mean, I basically knew it. And that was, I mean, what they made me tell him was basically the truth. Like even if I didn't have that job, we probably would not have wound up getting married. And so that conversation would have happened anyway, but but yeah, it's, it sucked. It was sad.
0: Well, and, like, I remember watching it, I'm sure watching it back, like, his reaction even after, like, he was really, really sad. Yeah. Even after the fact, as you're watching the show back, you probably, like, maybe in the back of your mind, I'm thinking, like, did I make the right choice? Like, I didn't realize he was that invested or that sad. Because there, you know, there are limits to how much he can say in terms of how he's feeling about you, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. I had no idea that he yeah that he would be that sad about it and that definitely made it a thousand times harder it also was nice because it validated the connection we had because i was extremely sad um but yeah i actually like i was able to text with him very briefly a few days late after i came home um and he said he'd been you know he missed me and was thinking a lot about me um but you know that world moves so quickly that I'm sure it was like, he thought about me for two or three days. Yeah. And
0: then... <laughs> He's like, okay, I got to date the yeah. other 20,000 people here. Yeah. It's easy to move on. <laughs> I, I do like to, I, I always like to ask this because I had a feeling of who was, I don't know. I hate the word front runner, but it's kind mm-hmm. of the, the buzzword. But did you have a, a feeling that it was either Lauren or Becca um, during the experience? Um,
1: sort of. So, I mean, Becca had the first date and so she had a leg up, but it it became really muddy further in. Um, I could tell he was very attracted to Lauren, but she didn't get a date until the day before I did.
0: Later in the game. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so it that was hard to, you know, it was hard to see somebody as a front runner if they've never had a date. And sure. then Becca nearly went home the week before I did. Like she thought she was going home. Um I think I think he was considering her going like I, I think that she was kinda of close to going home. So it's like I think Ari was just super confused for a very long time. So at, at the end of the day
0: there was really no front he wasn't really, I don't know, um uh, feeling one person like aggressively over another kind of thing. Like it seemed like a fair kind of game for a while there.
1: Yeah. I think he had a few, like I thought, I thought Becca Martinez was a serious front runner for a while. Right. And she may have been, I'm just not sure. Um, But yeah, when she said she was 22, it kind of.
0: So let's, I I do want to talk about um, kind of your not portrayal, but you've gotten, I think unfairly, like so much heat from the internet about career stuff and, you know, there's this conversation you and Ari had where the way it came off, you were, everyone says, she's misrepresenting your PhD stuff, which as someone who tried to have a very long, intense conversation with The Bachelor about my background, I should have known that not all of it can actually (laughs) make air. So can we have a full look at this conversation about your career at that point? Uh-huh. That would kind of make sense to this this whole freaking internet BS thing that's going on.
1: Yeah, it's really simple. I think what they showed was Ari, I, I think they basically cut to, you know, we're having a nice time. And then I say, I just want to give you a blueprint of my life. A PhD is six years. And I don't even remember what else was said, but that implied that I was in a PhD program. But the conversation we were having immediately before that was Ari said, how do you think you would do in a long distance relationship? And I said, why would we be long distance? And he said, because you're in school. And I said, I am not in school. I am a research coordinator in New York. And if we got married, I could leave that job and we would live together. But I'll give you a blueprint of my life.
0: A PhD, PhD is six years. years. Yeah.
1: And so we would have to figure out, you know, if we can, like, if we would have to move for that, if I can get into Arizona state, like what, you know, what the logistics of that would be, but we would have like two years before that started and, you know, I could put off applications for a year. So we have more time to solidify. Like that was the context of that, of that whole conversation. Way too
0: much to fit into three minutes. Darn it.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, they
0: couldn't add like an extra 6 seconds to show that You're I right. said. Right, that's one of those things where you got no control over that. And that's hard. Right. I mean, not that it necessarily like trashed your career in any way, which but the the public went after you, which which also sucks. I know that for sure.
1: Yeah, you yeah, you know it better than I do. It sucks. Yeah, I mean I I think it was also a relic of like I don't know that that was bad faith of production. I mean, If people, like, I I think people who aren't diehard fans who, like, don't follow the contestants later on social media, they probably walked away with a positive impression. I'm sure. Because I didn't say anything, like, incorrect. It was believable that I was in a PhD. But then people who followed me found out I wasn't. And then memory starts working in funny ways. They were like, well, why did she... Why did she list her job as PhD student? And it's like I didn't list my job. It said research coordinator. <laughs> so they they started describing things later in memory that didn't exist, and and that was so. If I was so angry at the time and so distressed, constantly, you know, reading Reddit comments and Instagram or whatever. But my mom at the time told me, you know, you can't control it just be fascinated by it. And if I look with the lens of just fascination, I mean you learn a lot about memory. You, <laughs> you like really learn do. a lot about contagion and um and how one Reddit comment can like I did a reality Steve interview and somebody did the recap and they intentionally put it in the least flattering light possible. Like when I said I was intimidated by Jenny Jenna because she was, you know, this sort of Beautiful, like Barbie, like yeah, 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 girl. They they turned it into I liked Jenna because she was like a Barbie or something like that. You know, like they they just twisted everything. And then from that point on, it was just total contagion in people. And I remember being like, all right, I gotta get off this site because it's not yeah, it's, it's not out of healthy. my head. I
0: yeah. Well, <laughs> you've also kind of mentioned a few times your disappointment in the fact that your relationship with Ari was like largely you know diminished. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I guess at the at the end of the day, I guess, why did that bother you? But like what what were things that you felt like did kind of because you've talked about how you had, you know, some not mental health issues afterwards, but it was like, you know, it's very traumatizing in many ways to go through this experience. Like what led to some disappointments post show?
1: Yeah, I try to talk about these things as honestly as possible, which can often be I mean, a little bit unflattering. So I will try to own up to when it was ego. I think, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that when I didn't get that first date, it was like, of course. like. And then when I went so far in the show, I think my image of myself started changing and I saw myself like, wow, I could actually be that girl. Like I could be... I could be famous. I could be someone like, you know, that, that women think are cool and, and look could up be to. be a couple and,
0: that is famous.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we, if we made it, then yeah. So like all of the, all of these images start coming into my brain and they're very attractive. Um, and then I think when I got my airtime wiped, it was back it was back to like, oh, of course, like, I'm not that kind of girl. I'm not that kind of person. I can never achieve, you know, that kind of sort of admiration. And like, I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder for being like not cool enough.
0: I I, I definitely felt that after the show.
1: Yeah. Great yeah. Time. And it, it was just, it stung because, I mean, I remember going to like a Broadway show with Kendall and Becca who were now best friends because they were doing media together. And that was another thing, like I, I couldn't do much media because I wasn't one of the big players. And so I, I see like Kendall was the closest thing I got out of that show. And we're still friends to this day, but there's a time where it's like I'm watching this friendship slip out of my hands and she's so close with Becca now. Um, and, you know, these things that I wish didn't bother me, like rationally, they shouldn't bother me, but they just do. Yeah, yeah do. And yeah, we're at this Broadway show and there's just a horde that that comes and they're speaking like exclusively to Kendall and Becca and I'm in the middle, just like feeling like a total loser because
0: I've been there so many times. It's stupid. What you're saying (laughs) is completely, I mean, rationally irrational is what I think. Like (laughs) I, yeah, if there's nothing like, it's just to me was like one giant, not like comparison, but you want to be the person everybody loves. You want to be the one where like you go out to the bar and everyone wants a photo. Like no one wants a photo with the villain. They all want to whisper and talk shit about the villain and then you feel yeah. like an absolute loser. And it oh, and then God. especially when you're there's a large contingent of bachelor people in New York and and a lot of them are super popular and all that to say like <laughs> behaviors and thoughts and feelings that you didn't even really know you had start coming up and they don't make sense. And yeah. they don't really make sense till years later, to be honest. I mean, now I'm like, oh, God, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> but in the moment, yeah, that that's just how you feel. You want to be cool.
1: Yeah, it, it's I think the reason I keep talking about high school and like, you know, growing up was because in high school, there's a social hierarchy. There's the popular kids, there's the cliques, you know. Oh, yeah. And that doesn't exist so much when you're out in the world, but then it comes shooting back at you once you're on The Bachelor. because it, And that is, like, such a firm social hierarchy. And you can see it because there's a number next to your name that signifies Instagram followers. And so you can see who is above you in the social hierarchy and, like, who's cooler, who's more admired. And it's just icky you know like i love new york because of the anonymity like i there's a social hierarchy in the sense that you know there's bloomberg and he's a billionaire and like of course i don't have that right. but you yeah. don't walk around feeling at least i didn't i don't walk around feeling inferior to other people Never. In new York. Mm-mm. yeah no and so no. when you're literally told by a number like you are inferior you have fewer followers you make less money
0: you do have less sponsorships people are unfollowing you more yeah. Yeah.
1: Literally, you don't want to be bothered by that. You want to say it's stupid. And then the worst part is that everyone else is telling you it's stupid. Everyone else is like, "Ew, she's so obsessed with fame and followers. And like she just wants it's like, of course I do, because otherwise you're told a message about yourself. That's really painful. And yeah, it takes a while to untangle from that. And the Ph.D. is really what helped me do it. But it was rough for rough for a while.
0: We I we'll get to the PhD obviously. I VIP we there's not a whole bunch to talk about, but I do want <laughs> no. I do want to know, like you I'm assuming pretty soon after you were approached to do BIP. Um I'm assuming you because everyone wants to be original cast. Yeah. You came in kind of at an inopportune time.
1: Yeah. I I rejected original cast, which was the stupidest thing I could have done.
0: Why did you do that?
1: Because my because my boss wouldn't let me go for more than two weeks, and I already had to negotiate for that time. And so, I I wish I had done this. In, well, I don't need to wish anymore. My life is fine. But if I had wanted to stay on the show, what I should have done was go original cast and just leave midway through. But I didn't want to repeat what I did on The Bachelor and have to like break up with somebody. Right. Or just not be able to see it to the end, and so I was hoping if I came in just a little bit later,
0: you'd have two weeks to potentially see something through. Yeah, but then you got there, and everyone was kind of, kind of coupled up. You went on a date with Kenny, right? Yeah. In general, what were you hoping? Like, what what were you hoping would happen heading in there? Like, okay, this this is the experience that I'm. The one I wanted the first time didn't really happen. So let's do it the second time. Like try to end up with someone potentially and give it the best shot. What was your attitude heading in?
1: I mean, when I first signed up for Bachelor in Paradise, I think I was like, oh, it would be cool to meet somebody. But mostly I just want to go back and get more of that heroin, you know. Um, Yeah. and, And just hang out with my friends. You know, I knew Kendall was doing it. Um, but I had just met someone I was absolutely crazy about and I had signed the contract before I met him. I mean, it's the same thing happened before the bachelor. Literally. I signed the, the bachelor and then I met this guy at a wedding. I was absolutely crazy about And then I dated him for six months after the show and then, yeah. Uh, and then, so it was sort of the same story this time, except it was a more realistic option because that guy lived in Hawaii and this guy lived in New York. Um, but You know, I had to tell him I was, like, going on the show, which I think basically spelled doom for our relationship, unfortunately. And so I went in, like, essentially knowing that no one I met was going to live up to this guy. Like, this guy was, like, everything I wanted on paper and, you know, elsewhere. And so I was just kind of like, okay, we'll see what happens, Uh, but I'll basically probably just, like, have a fling or something and then go back back, and date this guy for real. And then I got there, and like, I I just was not, I I wasn't feeling them, they weren't feeling me, you know? So everyone was
0: coupled up. Bummer. But that's okay because life is good, as you said. Yeah. You're in a relationship. Let's talk about the PhD, which is happening right now. (laughs) Yes. Tell us more. Yeah. I'm in the
1: clinical psychology PhD program at Duke university and I'm finishing up my second year now. So, um,
0: and how is it this, how long is it? Six years. It is the six. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's great. I mean, I feel very secure in my career choice. Um, I've got a patient later today. Woohoo! It's, woohoo! Yeah. Love seeing patients. Never thought I would end up in Durham, North Carolina. Duke was my dream school growing up, and I got rejected for undergrad. So it was a big chip on my shoulder for like 10 years. That's so funny
0: because NYU was my dream school. Really? Well, I got waitlisted, but, you know, then accepted elsewhere. So I was like, I got to go. But then later in life, when I applied for graduate school, I was like, I'm going to try for NYU. And I got in. And so both of us (laughs) had our later in life dream school experience. That's awesome. Yeah. What what was it like when you got that acceptance letter? Oh my god, It was the best thing. I was at work and uh uh-huh. and it just felt so good because I I wanted to get I've always wanted to get into NYU. I mean, yeah. that's just something you you I'd had that little dream of. So I was like, finally it's coming to fruition. <laughs> All these goals and dreams. But but yeah, so that's, that's a cool side note. We both we both made it happen later. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it was so weird because I was starting to see my life as this series of like extremely strange, uh, like, like probability, like minuscule probabilities of happening. Like, I went on the Bachelor, and then within like a year or two, got into my dream school for my PhD. I was like, how? How I could have gotten into any other school, but it was this school. Because my mom forced me to apply. She said she'd she said she'd pay for the application if I applied to Duke because I was not going to. I'm like I'm not I don't
0: like Duke. <laughs> they rejected me. <laughs> they rejected me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad we both didn't think that. That's great. We didn't. <laughs> oh my gosh though. I imagine I'm a bit ignorant. I don't really know what goes into a doctorate, but I imagine it is exhausting.
1: I'm, the, you know, the last few years have actually been pretty good, but I'm very scared for next year because the work ramps up a lot.
0: Oh, <laughs> and what are, what, is, I, what are your primary like, research interests? I know. Interest? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So first off, I'll say I don't really intend to have a research career after this. I think academia is kind of fucked. Okay. Um, yep. But... And so that makes me not, I'm not like a rabid researcher. Okay. I'm not like getting my hands on every research project possible. But my interests are borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and just generally concepts like shame and how that makes us act and contempt. Uh, that was inspired directly by Reddit. <laughs> and <laughs> love it. Yeah. I'm getting a little bit more interested in how social media is making us sad, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure where I'll take that. Um, But another, another, a lot of research I do for my advisors on misophonia, which is a condition where people get extraordinarily anxious and angry when they hear people chewing or making other such noises. Yeah.
0: Well, I have, I have a narcissist in my life, which is fun. So fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And I didn't even really notice it. Like, gr- I mean, growing up, I was like, what the fuck is this? But also, like, I didn't know that that was a, a personality disorder. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, since it, I've now read books about it and, like, all that stuff. And there's all these things I wish I knew in terms of, like, how NPD, like, manifests in life, right? Like, I didn't know what to look for. Yeah. Like, what what should people look for? Cause I think so many people have narcissists in their life. Yeah. But
1: I would, first of all, look for signs that you feel crazy mm. or that you don't like who you are in this relationship because the narcissist, I mean, there's a couple kinds of narcissists, but the kind of grandiose, like typical narcissists we think of will use a lot of gaslighting and which is where you make the other person feel like their reality is invalid or irrational or crazy in order to subvert any attempts of them to criticize you or disagree with you. Um, they will often not take any kind of responsibility ever. They'll make it feel like everything is your fault. Um, Love it. Is this ringing true of your experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they will often make themselves out to see to be like these wonderful charitable um ethical people charming and they're very charming and that's a deadly combination you know because when you the problem with narcissism is that you often like them a lot at least at first because they draw you in they're magnetic and so it becomes very confusing when you start disliking yourself in the relationship because you're emotional angry confused panicky and you you look at yourself and you're like i suck but this person is so charming and magnetic so it's gotta be my fault. And they're telling you it's your fault. So that kind of like that kind of dynamic, I I, I think would clue you in, especially if it doesn't exist in your other relationships.
0: My um, a very close friend of mine has had depression for many years, but it, it just like came to a head uh, a few weeks ago. And I, I, I I'm, I'm dealing with this whole, and this is, we'll talk about your podcast, but I, I love listening to your podcast. Um, and I I've dealt with these feelings of like what I'm a shitty friend because I don't know what to say or like how to make it better. And yeah, like mental health, you know, as someone who was depressed, like it extends so far beyond yourself, right? Like my family, my friends, and I never wanted them to feel like failures, but I know that they did because it's like, how do you reach someone who needs help? Um, And so, yeah. And like, I, I just, I love, I get, let's talk about your podcast so we can, we're going to just go around about here. Tell everyone about your podcast.
1: Yeah. So my podcast is a little help for our friends and it's a mental health podcast, but our angle is basically doing what you said, which is like, um, talking about the system of mental, the the family system of mental health, the, fens, the friends and family, the community aspect of mental health, right. because when one person has depression or borderline personality disorder or narcissism, it's not just that one person who's affected, it's their friends and their family. Yeah. Um, and so we just, I mean, we talk a lot about, especially depending on kind of the disorder or issue we talk a lot about that disorder and what it's like to have that disorder and how you can help yourself. But we also give time for, um, what if this, what if the, what if you're listening right now and someone in your life has this disorder, what's it like for you and how can you help them? And then how can you set proper boundaries for yourself? Right. Because a lot of people get into this trap of of thinking like, you know, essentially what you're saying, like, I have this depressed friend, I need to help them, I need to make sure I don't say the wrong thing, I always have to be available for them, and it's like, no, that, you don't always have to be available for them, you need to take care of yourself, Yeah. or you're going to burn out on this friendship, and not be able to help them ever.
0: That's where I'm so at we, right yeah. now, and it's, it's a okay. shitty place to be, um, yeah. I don't like being here, but yeah, no, it's, that I, listen guys, because it it's, one, you're just so enjoyable to listen to, and obviously it's just really yeah. important to talk about, but, but yeah, I learned so much out of it in terms of like my own life, whether it's dealing with my own depression and trying to put myself in the shoes of, of people around me and how they might feel, mm-hmm. but also just trying to, you know, and, and I'm also super interested in I was just reading this article that like, cause my friend had COVID and there's oh. a bunch of people coming out with like some serious psychiatric issues post COVID. Yeah. And and I'm I'm just I wanna look more into that. And I just have to wonder, you know, whether it's a COVID maybe side effect long term. I
1: don't know. It's scary. I mean, we're what we're gonna see after this, there's gonna be the people who have psychological effects from COVID itself, but then all of the other people. I mean therapists right now have a booming business. Oh, yeah. Like yes. it, it, and it's it's great for theoretically for me but it
0: says something bad about the, you know about I the mean, world yes <laughs> good for you bad for a bad sign for everyone right yeah. exactly
1: i mean people are really lonely really distressed really anxious and i you know and i'm worried a little bit about the long-term effects of like socialization are we just gonna be even more reliant on technology than we ever were before or will it have a great whiplash effect and we'll all be
0: ready to know, run, run, run out? And, to <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping it's the latter, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm getting awfully used to my schoolwork being on a computer and my internship oh, yes. being on a computer. And <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Listen to the podcast, everyone. It's great. Subscribe. <laughs> Let's finish with talking about your relationship. Okay. So, sure. as a single Pringle, I love to hear <laughs> stories of of how people met and well. I think you recently celebrated one year, right? Maybe.
1: Yeah, we'll celebrate one and a half next month.
0: Oh, great! Awesome. Tell yeah. us how how do we get a one and a half year relationship under our belts? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it wasn't easy. We, I mean, our first year was rough. The last six months have been good. I mean, so I, I met him because I'm aggressive, like, and I love dating. And so I saw, he, you know, he's a, he's a psych professor at Duke. I'm a psych grad student, which caused lots of drama. Uh, but what happened was he gave a guest lecture in one of my classes that was essentially about career and like um, what you can do with this degree or whatever. And so he talked a lot about his own life. And I found out he was a painter and he had a philosophy degree. Um, I paint and have a philosophy degree. And so I was like, oh, there's two points of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, contact. And I just thought he was really cute. And I just like, you know, formed a crush. It was very exciting exciting to have a crush. Yes,
0: we love a crush.
1: Yeah. And then I hatched a, a plan to contact him and I, I remember just, like, talking about this with everybody. Like, how am I going to reach Paul Eli? Like, how am I going to do this? And I eventually just sent him a Twitter message, which was, you know, I guess kind of the easy route. But I, I made it kind of questionably. Like, it was it was flirty, but I could deny it if I needed to. Right.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. And he was
1: asking about his research. And then we just started talking nonstop. Um, and then we hung out platonically. Uh, and basically, found out we have feelings for each other, and so went to HR right away. And HR was very supportive and created a management plan so that there's no power dynamics, we'll never, you know, overlap or anything. And then we were off. And um, the first year was rough. I mean, I had never been in a relationship, really. Like I, I had been, but for just a few months at a time.
0: Yeah, long term, no.
1: Yeah, and I was also mega morning new york like really wanted to be in new york did not like durham it was just like my life my identity has totally shifted like i used to be the person who would go out and do exciting things as in often york, as possible yes. yeah and now i'm somebody totally different and we had to work through issues of jealousy um because i'm very open about my sexual past and dating history or whatever and um that was hard for him <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can imagine, but that's good that you worked through that.
1: Yeah, um, and we just—I guess we just fought and fought and fought, and then both went on anti-anxiety meds, and now we're happy happiest. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the answer is
0: Prozac. <laughs> it's the key for a my year answer is Wellbutrin, and yours is Prozac. It's wonderful. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> are you—are you someone that's like? I mean, obviously, presumably to be on the show, you would have to think you're someone who's like marriage, marriage, marriage. Are you, are you someone who like, do you look at him and think, okay, he's, he's the guy, he's the one. Yeah.
1: You know, I, I when in the beginning, you know, it was like a, we were talking about marriage within like two weeks. It was one of those relationships where everything's really fast and fireworks <laughs> And then I like heavily backed off from that because I was going through my own little identity crisis and I had horrible commitment issues. And so now it's really interesting because I think I had imagined, you know, the choice of marriage partner as like a Cinderella story where it's just, you just like, no, Ah. no forever. And it's, ah, (laughs) yeah. And after fighting for a year and then coming out on the other side, it's just, it feels a lot more, I don't want to say practical because it is more romantic than that but it's just kind of like, do I want you around all the time? Yes. Do I feel like I have power and autonomy in this relationship? Like a healthy kind of power? Yes. Um, Do we, do I feel like you support me in my vision for the future and I can support you? And yes. So it's like all of these things just kind of come together and it feels like, it feels like making a choice. Like I think for other people who really want a relationship and commitment, it maybe has more of that, huh? But for somebody, it's very hard for. I really had to like get myself in the right headspace via SSRIs to be able to accept a relationship and see it for all of its beauty. And now it's like, it's weird because I'm like, I don't, I'm, like, how do I socialize on my own? Like, where's Paul? Oh, Paul's all with me. Paul- <laughs> I, oh. call. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> I can person. understand that. It's like, obviously I'm not in a relationship, but when I was 23 on the show or whatever, younger, I just thought marriage was like fireworks and right. it's so easy. And you just walk up to someone and you know, it's the thing, but now it's, it's, it's not even like I don't want it. Cause I'm, I do, but mm-hmm. yeah, I look at it more in terms of like, am I getting check, 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 check out of this that would make sense for us to be together forever in a marriage. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's not not like it's not romantic, but you just, as I've gotten older, I'm just like, yeah, that might not exist for some, I, I've, i I've given up on this concept of like, I'm just going to walk into a grocery store and he's just going to be there and it's going to be romance and love every day. I don't have that vision anymore. You know, it's just,
1: yeah, it, you know, and I don't, First of all, the grocery store thing is so funny because I I still remember being young and like walking in the grocery store and thinking like what is it with the grocery store? So Why funny. is it an image that comes to so many people?
0: Every time I think of that image, it's always in a grocery store. Yeah. It should be in like a library or something. I'm switching it. It's a library. <laughs> oh, you're right about that. You both reach for the instead Yes. <laughs> and <set>
1: the pineapple.
0: <laughs> oh god, it's so embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I like it's
1: also just, I, I'm a little bit of an emotionally congested person. Like I'm not the kind of person who says a full throated, I love you, even though I feel it, you know, I mean, it's the same with my family. Like, it's just, it's hard for me to be emotionally vulnerable. And it was really easy for me to be emotionally vulnerable in the beginning stages of dating somebody because I don't know. I think because I'm all, I'm all dopamine, then it's all hormones and excitement and and that kind of throws and and I'm not the commitment hasn't hit yet. So the thing that I'm afraid of and avoiding hasn't hit yet. And so I'm just totally, you know, inhabiting myself. But then as things as relationships set in and get serious, I get a little bit withdrawn. And so I think, you know, I had to stop count, like Paul and I had that "Ah, fireworks and everything. We had that. So I know that it's there. I know that it's there, and I know that, like, I'm not going to find somebody else, you know, that would make me feel that more than him. But the difference with this relationship is he also feels like my best friend. I like his smell. I like touching him. He's very Pheromons, soft. Our thing, you know, it's just like it's just a it's just a relationship that makes me feel safe and has transitioned me from thinking about living in the moment and partying and like these images I had of being 25 year old, you know, femme fatale. And it's changing now to like, imagining what I'm going to do with our kids oh. and, you know, like being a mom and all of, Yay! It's, just, it's just switched. And I just think that that, that transition was an uncomfortable one because I've, I've, I had to give myself permission to let it happen and that was very difficult it's very hard to be like i'm going to give up on what has been important to me thus far mm-hmm. and switch to something else but once lexapro allowed me to do that then <laughs> <laughs> he's on prozac i'm on Lexapro. <laughs>
0: that's hilarious oh my god okay. yeah. <laughs> once lexapro allowed me to do that
1: Oh, it's like I can't believe there's this stigma around SSRIs. It's just no, like
0: come on now, people. The past. It's the past. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious! Well, I'm so glad you found that. Yeah, me too. You're there. The dream. I the guess
1: though. So. Yeah, it's still weird to me. But like, I'm like obsessed with growing things now. Like, I'm like, is this my my motherhood instinct I kicking so. in like i just will plant seeds constantly literally
0: water my plants feed uh-huh. them wow yeah no that's it that's so i hear are you wanting marriage and kids
1: and that whole shebang
0: i want kids and i i want marriage yeah and and also i i'm just so disappointed by men that i'm i'm totally okay with the concept that it might not happen okay which is yeah. okay. Like I used to feel like my worth revolved around finding a relationship and finding a husband. And now I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm just going to do this thing by myself. Cause I'm cool. And if someone shows up and is like, I can sit at your table, I'll be like a hundred percent, but like, I'm That's not going to force it, you know? Yeah. But I want it. Of course I want it. And there's days where I'm I'm sitting in my apartment by myself and i'm like fuck i would love to have yeah. my paul here but i don't know where he's not at the grocery store and he's not at the library so he's <laughs> yeah. on the subway somewhere and knows it, it's hard to find someone in the subway right like oh uh, yeah so many different cars you could be in
1: what do you think about people introducing themselves in person <clears throat> like men coming up to you oh, and love. say love love it yeah me too i
0: I'm so anti dating apps. It's that's so painful for me. I know some people like function well on them, but I'm just a bit too old fashioned for that. So it's either like meeting someone in person, either Mm -hmm. like at a, you know, a a part, which parties don't really exist, but one day, um, but so having that face-to-face contact with someone where I could feel like a chemistry, I don't have to get through the awkward, like, can I have your number? Like, that's yeah. what I would love. Or just a friend saying, hey, I met this guy. I know this guy. He seems like he'd be a good match. Like, that's, I just need that interpersonal connection. I can't do the the swipey-swipeys and the how the yeah. weathers and
1: can't do I can't I remember it. In my early days in New York, men would, like, come up to me on the subway all the time. And that doesn't happen anymore because of dating apps, I think.
0: No. so Literally does not happen. Zero. Ever. I live in the wrong era.
1: I would love to go back to 2010.
0: Okay, everyone. Subscribe to the podcast. (laughs) And um, get to know your mental health and the mental health of others. And and, go, Paul. And... go phd <laughs> that's a pretty good summary go prozac, <laughs> yeah, go prozac.
1: <laughs> if you get anything from this podcast that is all, all you <laughs> need is the last
0: five minutes of this entire podcast just
1: please consult a psychiatrist
0: but All yeah please and please don't take our word as medical professionals i think we're supposed to say that because we are supposed to say that there you go that's probably not perfectly said but uh cool everyone oh let's uh, your social media say your social media please
1: oh yes my instagram and twitter are at trombolina and that's t-r-u-m-b-u-l-l-i-n-a my last name with an i-n-a at the end <laughs> um, and my podcast is a little help for our
0: friends all right peace out everybody